Hello, hello! Welcome to EDU Inspo, a bilingual podcast centered on inspiring through ideas and topics worth spreading about education and leadership. Mi nombre es Flor, and today we will talk about how to be culturally responsive as educational leaders. Here at EDU Inspo, our mission is to learn and apply and share what we learn. So let's begin. Okay, guys. So according to the National Policy Board for Educational Administration, schools and society continue to transform. And such changes are creating a myriad of challenges for educational leaders especially. There are many complexities in building a learning community that honestly published research cannot possibly cover every single corner of it. I, for example, will never forget that the best culturally responsive lessons that I learned were from number one, my own experience, and number two, were from my own classroom, taught from my own 13-year-old students. I have always taken pride, guys, of being able to cultivate positive relationships with my students. I have input the work in the beginning of each semester to take the time and get to know them. And not only get to know them, but to hear their life experiences. And I've even allowed opportunities to have them explore their own cultural identity. And you might be asking yourself, how? Or, or even why? Well, you see, I think it begins with the understanding of your own cultural identity. I know that I had to understand and own and be proud of who I was and who I am to be able to find connections with my students' cultures and identities. And upon that, I build relationships with them. Then after that was established, I was able to create a high standard or increase the rigor in my classroom. And I was able to expect each student to be able to do a certain milestone regardless of their background. Once I knew their background, once I knew their capabilities and limits. So I differentiated and instructed Yes, in accordance to their interests and capabilities. But that was once I knew about them, once I got to know them. And that in itself facilitated high order thinking in my classroom. Why? Because it got to a point where everybody knew or, or got to know, at least if they didn't know, a different side of them you know my students when I was at the peak of trying 
to intentionally be culturally responsive were middle school students. So these middle school students were coming from elementary and in elementary they spend you know those years knowing one another but then something happens in the transition of fifth to sixth grade sixth to seventh because they end up developing their own self there's a certain amount of time where they're okay following what parents are or what their family or what society tells them to do. And then all of a sudden in middle school, they're like, wait a second. No, I am this and this is who I am. Or at least they think they know who they are, right? But anyhow, they get to reintroduce themselves. You know, this is who I am now. And that was the beauty of allowing them to go ahead and understand and explore their own cultural identity. So... I have to say something though, it's, it's easier for me or should I say it's important for me because of my background and who I am. You can't see me through this podcast but I'm a Latina and I'm made of beautiful caramel colors and I'm proud of it and I will forever understand the pains and the struggles of being culturally and racially different. And that is the reason why it was so important for my students to share and be proud of their own cultural identity. Now, you might be thinking, well, Flor, it's very easy for you because you are Latina and you're of color. What do I do if I'm a white person? Well, if you are white, you cannot say that you cannot create a culturally responsive classroom because I believe that as long as you take the time to understand and embrace the history and culture of others, you will succeed. It's because you've taken the time to be empathetic, to be mindful, right? Upon something very sacred to people, which is their identity, you know, as, as long as people respect and embrace others' history and culture, you are going to succeed in practicing being culturally responsive, okay? Plus, if you are trying to get them to achieve academically, you're not going to get them anywhere if you do not establish or build a connection or a trust, right? It's step number one. You can still cultivate a culturally responsive classroom, though, if, if you're like mid-year, let's say, by starting to do the following things automatically. Number one, you start to model high expectations to your students. For example, you will automatically address microaggressions. When little Johnny calls little Juan a burnt chicken nugget, you go ahead and address that immediately. Number two, you reflect on your own cultural lens. Take the time to ask yourselves, who am I? What cultures do I identify with? Etc. And then finally, draw from your own student's culture and interests and shape your instruction based on that. 
and see the difference. See it. I, I want you to try it. I'll repeat that. Number one, model high expectations. Number two, reflect on your own cultural lens. And number three, draw on your students' culture and interests and let that shape your instruction. Now, another note here that I believe is really important is that being culturally responsive, yes, touches culture, as we were previously talking about it, but it also includes sexual orientation and popular culture. It's just being up to date with what our students' life experiences currently are. For example, I remember I had a student in the first weeks of class and she asked me all of a sudden around week three or week four, so about a month in, to start calling her by a different name other than her birth name. Now, I've always been very careful with, you know, nicknames. I'm not just gonna call you, you know, I don't know, um, little, little weedy or something. <laughs> just because you come up to me and tell me, hey, miss, can you please call me, you know, like my, like my friends call me little weedy. I, I'm gonna be like, no. But this was a different case, okay? This girl, or I should not even identify her, her gender. Her birth name was Jimena. And she, he asked me to start calling her by a non-binary or a gender neutral pronoun, which was Zeno. And I was at awe. She wasn't rude. She said it politely and beautifully in her new light. She was so scared when she was talking to me. She was, her hands were trembling. She was nervous, but somehow she was certain of her newly found identity. And I was blown away by her confidence and her bravery. The fact that she felt that comfortable in my classroom due to the first weeks of me, you know, drilling in them to, to be proud of who they are and, and whatnot. And she came up to me and let me know and asked me permission to have the rest of her classmates call her Zeno for the remainder of the semester. And not only was that brave, but to me, it was the perfect teachable moment about being culturally responsive. That's part of being culturally responsive. An educator in the 21st century, for example, needs to be open to getting to know our students through their lens. We need to understand why what and why they're going through what they're going through. We need to be culturally responsive to a new age. Understand the influence of that new cell phone game, of that new social media challenge, of that new Instagram Snapchat filter that all of them are playing on their phones with, the new Netflix series, and find out what it means to them. 
and what it means to society as a whole. Because it's our job to be culturally competent. Now, there's a research done by a man named, or by a man's last name. His last name is Cooper. He wrote this in 2009. And I'll read it to you guys really quickly. As the diversity of the United States increases, so does the challenges of meeting the needs of all of our students. I love this because it, it's a challenge and that's how we should look at it we shouldn't look at it well i disagree because of xyz no it's simply a challenge because that's our reality the united states is diverse and i had excellent mentors that modeled and instilled building relationships with students that when this was being taught in my courses I just kept nodding my head, you know, and and inside of my heart, loving what I was hearing because I know this is true and I know the importance of it, being Latina and all. I, I heard horrible stories about mistakes that, that caused irreparable damage with their students due to their ignorance or due to um, them not trying or intentionally trying to be culturally responsive. And I learned that having authentic, sorry, authentic conversations um, about this, speaking about it, is important in your classroom with your students. It just, it helps build positive interactions. So yeah, guys, I mean, in conclusion, I think it's paramount to take the time to learn from everyone, including our students. But I don't have to say that it begins, you know, from an easy step, no. But I do have to say that the very first step, which is not so easy to do, but it has to be done, begins with learning about our own culture and ourselves. ¿Quiénes somos nosotros? ¿De dónde venimos? ¿Por qué es importante? And how can I share my beautiful, rich culture with others and appreciate others' rich cultures and see the similarities? All right, guys. Well, that is that. I had a lot of fun talking about this podcast that brings this fire inside of me. I love it. Have a beautiful day.